Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I want Harry and Meghan to see this video and know that this is not fair. To them, I don't exist. And now, Harry, whether he realizes it or not, is part of my family. And I'm part of his. So we should be talking. Hi there, you're listening to Royals, the only podcast that goes behind the walls of Buckingham Palace. My name's Zoe Burrell and I'm a writer about all things royal at New Idea magazine. And I'm Angela Mollard and I am a journalist, author and proud royal expert. On the show today, we're going to be chatting all about Thomas Markle's very controversial documentary, including his accusations that Meghan and Harry are cheapening the royal family. It looks like she's tossing away for money. He's also going to talk about how he wants Meghan to support him financially. And the shocking confession that he lied. I know, Zoe, <laughs> which kind of invalidates everything else he says in my view, but we'll we'll get to that. I know, now I don't know what to think is what he said true or not. Uh, What did you think of it generally? Look, I'm still very unsure about what I think, Mm. so I'm very much looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Because most documentaries you watch, particularly ones with the royal family over the years, I've had a fairly conclusive idea of what I thought after them. So Prince Andrew, oh my gosh, car crash. (laughs) Princess Diana, the three in our marriage, Absolutely astounding. Prince Charles speaking to Jonathan Dimbleby. I felt a real sadness around the upbringing that he'd had and the complications at the heart of the man. Thomas Markle, he's almost confused himself about what he wants. I think he's actually a very sad, potentially lonely man. He loves his daughter. That's under no question. But how he expresses that love and the choices he makes around that love are quite odd. Anyway, yeah, I talk- found sometimes I'd feel quite sorry for him, mm. and then other times I'm like, I cannot believe you're saying this. Because so he comes up very some- much on the fence about what to think with this. I th- I thought so too. There were some some statements he made where I thought, well, to me that's not love. And one of the things I found most astonishing <laughs> is very early on he says that Megan is the key relationship in his life. He also has two other children and he makes mention that Samantha Markle, who, you know, I don't have a lot of time for Samantha Markle, but I, I thought his suggestion that the only alternative was abortion and that wasn't available back then. We eventually got married and had a child and that would be babe. Samantha to the rest of the world. Young, very young, but yeah. we were married. Yes. Yeah. It's just simply the thing to do. You know, I mean, there, the, the other option wasn't as acceptable then as it is now. Mm. And we certainly didn't do the other option. Mm. And when you say the other option, you mean abortion? Yes. I mean, ma- imagine your eldest daughter hearing that your younger daughter is the love of your life and that had abortion been around. Well, perhaps it's something you might have considered. Just very odd, very... At times I thought he was a very emotionally 
realised man. He seemed to have a lovely connection with Megan when they were doing anything to do with film or theatre. Or And he certainly imbued her with a sense of standing up for herself. I went home and I told my dad what had happened. And he encouraged me to write letters. So I did. To the most powerful people I could think of. And then at the end of the speech, she says, there should be more people like my dad. And yet at other times, he was just so tone deaf about her and had a very peculiar way of showing his love. Basically, my deal was that I'd talk and do something and wait 30 days to get a response from Meghan Harry. If if I didn't get a response... I'd try it again. I wonder to what extent the press attention has really got to him and he actually, for all his seeming intellect and, and, you know, sort of he's reasonably articulate, I wonder whether he was just completely out of his depth as well. Anyway, there's some fairly inflammatory statements in it, so let's pick it apart. There certainly has been, hasn't there? I also thought it was kind of interesting how he first learnt about her relationship with Harry. She called me on the phone. And she said, I found, I've got a new boyfriend. And I said, great. And she said, he's British. I said, okay. Uh, and she said, he's a prince. I said, all right. She said, he's Prince Harry. I said, oh, okay. I didn't know what it meant. She could have been dating a Hollywood star and it would have been just as important to me. Because, you know, either way, they're both high numbers. And she said, would you want to talk to him? Boom, hand me the phone. And he said hello in a very British way. And uh, we talked a bit, and that was nice. He seemed quite unperturbed by all of this. But look, what I think did come out is that there had been no groundwork done by the royal family and Harry and Meghan in particular to smooth this passage. And that, look, we'll get to the fact that Thomas... Markle confesses to lying to Piers Morgan on a television show. And for me, that meant that I went back and surveyed everything he'd said previously and found myself doubting some of the things that he'd said. So we understand that the Kensington Palace didn't send anyone out to see Thomas Markle, didn't forewarn him about what would happen when his daughter was disclosed to be in a relationship with Harry. Now, that is foolhardy. Harry, knowing what his mother went through, should be really concerned about what's happening to me. Uh, because his mother, who had help, percent more help around her all the time, was suffering and going through this. And he must have had some idea of what I was going through. A lot more than just to say, be quiet and don't talk to anybody. And it's a fair point, considering, of course, that even be just in the early days of the relationship with Meg and Harry, put out that very strident statement saying, please leave her alone. And yet, if Thomas is to be believed, then he's sort of just left to fend for himself. I thought that the natural thing would be to give me some kind of instruction or some kind of help or guidance. No one gave me any attention at all. Not that I need the attention, but I might need the help. If... As he says, it's true that the palace didn't send anybody or have any discussions with them around media management. That's really short-sighted. And this could have all been averted, all of it. The letter, the fact they don't speak anymore, the fact that he has no relationship with Archie. This really could have been averted if they'd got him on side early. We don't know they didn't make that approach. 
Markle's saying they didn't. I tend to believe that they didn't. You know, it's very easy after the fact to think, oh, I should have done this, but they should have done it. They really should have. I think so too. They should have, you know, Harry and Meghan should have got on a plane, gone to see him. Everyone is flattered and more compliant when they're consulted. And it's just, it just seems foolish that they didn't do that. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, there was all the photos of him colluding with the paparazzi. And I thought it was really interesting him reflecting on that as well and why that sort of happened. I got approached by uh, a guy named Jeff Rayner who spoke to me and said, I can change your image, he said. He said, the problem you have is that all these photographs of you are terrible. They make you look awful. And he said, I can make you look respectable. Yes. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because you could look, you could take Thomas Markle at face value and say he's a manipulative man. I don't think he is at all. I think he's he's out of his depth. But the fact is, he was a grown man. And by the looks of the paparazzi looked like a man in his 20s. I'm not sure why a man who had a very good job in the um, film and television industry wasn't a bit more cluey about it. Interesting thing is, though, every time one of those pictures still sells, Thomas Michael gets 30% of the sales. Ah. So there was something in it for him. And there is some greed at the the bottom of it. Clearly, it's clearly not just I wanted to rehabilitate my image. Everyone was saying I was Megan's slobby father. There clearly was some financial uh, incentive for him. And I think the reason I believe there was is because of other things he said around Megan looking after him financially, which um, I think we're going to talk about, aren't we? The bottom line here is I paid for her college, I paid for her union cards, I paid for her apartments, I paid for everything to get her where she is. They were sort of some fairly unsavoury comments about his oh, claim that Megan should look after him, wasn't I it? I think this, you know what, I thought this was the real crux of the interview, that this entitled sort of irrelevant man, and, and I don't use those words lightly, I use them because he's put himself into that position, not that I would have seen him as such, but uh, is basically asking or suggesting that his daughter looks after him. He makes the point that he helped her achieve her dreams by going to university, going to college, helping her with money over the years. That's a parent's job. That's what you do. And then he turns around and said that she once told me that she'd look after me in my senior years. Well, I'm in my senior years now, he says. It's time to look after daddy. That phrase, it's time mm. to look after daddy. Oh, come off it. It's you a know, bit cringy, isn't it? <laughs> you're a growing up. And just because your daughter's a celebrity, you've got no right. Um, and this is the interesting thing about Thomas Muckle. He oscillates between adoring her and being, you know, really, I mean, some of the photos and the video footage that he has of her, it's really quite charming. I did think one thing, I'm not sure if you thought that, Zoe, um, and I, I have nothing against only child children. I make no judgment around that. Oh, but, good, because I'm an only child. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought she had, she was always in the eye of the camera, wasn't she? And interestingly... Tina Brown, who wrote the seminal biography of Princess Diana, had one absolutely brilliant line in that book, which was that Diana grew up associating love with the camera. Now, I think Megan is similar. I think she grew up this child where she was basically with 
adult. She was with her mum and she was with Thomas singularly. She wasn't messing around with siblings and that sort of thing. And interestingly, she lived with Thomas from the age of 11 to 15. Now, those are really uh, important years for a young girl, the years of puberty, the years you start being interested in the opposite sex. I mean, they're... They are, you know, those teenage years, having raised two teenage girls, they're times of great change, great questioning. And her relationship with her dad seemed to be largely played out from what we saw through the him videoing her doing various things. And I wonder to what extent she is a little bit like Diana and that she's used to, she associates the camera with love. I mean, that's what I'm wondering now when they've made this move to go to Canada of course, being royal meant that she was always um, being photographed, but she didn't get to, she no longer gets to act, which is the thing you can see her trying to do from a very, very young age. I mean, the footage of her playing what looked like, was it Snow White or something? Or, yes, I yeah, think something Snow like White. That. Or, no, Red Riding Hood. Red Riding Hood, Red that's Riding. right. Incredibly <laughs> precocious, very talented, actually. You can see her facial expressions, her projection of her voice, all of this. She's, from a very young age, really talented. She's really gone for it. She's strived for it. But I wonder if she's a, a kid that's had too much singular attention just focused on her through a lot of her childhood. And I'm not in any way suggesting that that doesn't mean that she can't think about others. But she came across as a kid is very, very self-focused in these little bits of video. That's not a criticism. It's just an observation. But as for Thomas, very strange that he should be now asking for money from her. I mean, he came across as quite... When he said that, I just thought, oh, you're not – that's not how parenthood works. It's a giving relationship. And, of course, as our parents get older, we take care of them. But the expectation that she should provide from for him financially is really – Really unsavoury, I think. Yes, I totally agree with you. On Especially all of when that. he's earning thirty percent off every photograph that <laughs> he sold. As as she would later write in that letter to him, you know, you're you're um, exploiting my relationship with my husband, and he has he has exploited that relationship, and there's no question of that. It was also fascinating too when he basically admitted to lying. Now, this is the bit that gets me. So quite a long way into the documentary, he says that he's doing an interview with Piers Morgan on British television and he makes the claim, or he says that in that interview, he said that he had talked to Meghan and Harry and wished them well on their honeymoon. And they both said, take care of yourself. We're really worried about you. So, Has it been a... I said they called me back. They were really concerned about me. And, uh, and uh, I said... I said, go on your honeymoon, don't worry about me, I'll be fine. Well, that was all a lie. I said, worry about the wedding and, uh, and then please go, go on a honeymoon because they've been, they've been tied into this for like a month. So. so I made their image appear a little bit better. What I suspect is that he needed to have something new to say to be able to be paid for that interview, presumably, and that he didn't have anything new to say because he hadn't talked to Megan since before the wedding. So... He needed some fresh update. He made it up. To me, that invalidates so much of what he says elsewhere in this documentary. If you can admit that you lied to a TV host whilst in the middle of talking to another <laughs> TV program, then we have to question how much of it is is true. And the interesting thing is that, you know, he's not going to go away. And, and 
the big question is, what happens with this relationship now? Will they ever spend any time with each other again? He makes the point in the, in the in the program that the final time that Meghan and Harry will see him will be as his grave as his, his coffin is being lowered into the ground. I mean, very dramatic. And I can't imagine if you haven't talked to your dad for a few decades, which it might end up being by the time um, that happens, that you'd necessarily go to the funeral. Uh, but if I was his daughter, I think I'd be very, very suspect of actually resuming relationship with him. You know, he's sold her out over and over and over and he's still selling her out. Yeah. By and this. I mean, even look at the letter. Oh. So she did reach out and what happens? He she sends reached, it to the media. Yes, and he claims mm. that the reason he sent it to the media was because her friends had spoken to uh, People magazine and that he had uh, that, that had painted him in a bad light and he wanted to have his own say. He, he thinks it's particularly moral of him not to have divulged the whole letter. Look, I can't decide whether he's just stupid or he's suffering from relevancy deprivation syndrome and he just has to keep being relevant because this is the most exciting thing that's happened to him in his life. It's a real shame. Oh, I kept thinking, imagine this is your dad versus the Middletons. You know, like William is so lucky and, you know, Carol Middleton is reportedly like a, a second mother to him in, in terms of the um, the help and advice and just the sense of calm and warmth that they offer. And it's just a shame. It's a shame that Kensington Palace didn't get Doria, Thomas and Meghan and Harry together with a PR advisor right from the get-go and we wouldn't be here. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think it was quite heartbreaking too to hear some of his comments about Archie and not getting to see his grandson as well. Yeah, look, I kind of thought that and then he, we got the lying <laughs> after it and I thought, well, I'm sorry, well, mate, you don't get to have a good old cuddle of your grandson when you've just sold your daughter out and you've made, said that you've you've made up lies. And yeah, he's just not a credible person to me anymore. And, the, and we keep talking about him because he's interesting and because anyone connected with someone as famous as Megan now is, is interesting. Look, I liked the footage. I thought it was really great being able to see her as she was younger, see how she developed. There was love in that family. And look, I think Harry made a terrible mistake, you all have seen in it, where he's doing that radio interview and he says, and Megan and he have just spent Christmas at Sandringham, or they're about to spend Christmas at Sandringham, and he said, this is the first time before they're married, and he says... No, look, she, she's, she's done an absolutely amazing job just you know, getting in there, and it's, you know, it's it's, it's, the, it's the family that I suppose she's never had. Okay, well, when I heard Harry say that uh, she's getting the, the family she never had, that was an insult and that was bullshit. That was insulting. I mean, he, she did have a family and the photos attest to that. It might have been a broken family, but then so was Harry's, frankly. And just because he's got, you know, all these extended relatives that live in grace and favour apartments around the various palaces that the royals own and that they all get together for Christmas, presumably on the taxpayer's expense, doesn't mean that Meghan's slightly modern, you know, broken. Well, I hate the word broken. I think it's, I don't think we should call them broken families. They're just a different shape of whole. But I think. Yeah, I, did, I just think it was it was nonsensical of Harry to do that. And I think this is the Harry that we sometimes still see, the, the Harry that wore the Nazi uniform, the Harry that can be quite outspoken, the Harry that is fabulous on things like setting up the Invictus Games but still has that sort of fairly flary type personality at times or doesn't think and wasn't that, um, wasn't that uh, cognizant of the impact that that statement would have. 
Anyway, I don't think we're going to be sitting around having Christmas with Thomas Markle anytime soon. No, it's, I mean, it's just so sad for everyone. I think Megan, it's just so upsetting for her. I thought the real nail in the coffin and the thing I really, really didn't like him saying is that he said he, he, you know, they obviously did a follow-up when it was announced that Meghan and Harry were moving to Canada. And he said, I'm disappointed because she's got every young girl's dream. Well, how would he know? He's not a young girl. He doesn't know what young girls dream of. They might actually crave independence rather than having to shake hands with people all day. He goes on to say, when she got married, she took on an obligation, foolish for them not to. One of the greatest, he went on to say, you know, it's one of the greatest long-living institutions in the world and that they have cheapened it and they make it look shabby. Yeah, pot kettle. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you think? Yes, I definitely agree with you Oh, my best line. (laughs) The best line in it, we have to say, is that he... he, This is another lie, clearly. He's claiming that when he's getting measured for the uh, suit, he's actually just getting measured for a new hoodie. (laughs) That's right. Like, yeah, because you do get measured for a hoodie, don't Mm. you? (laughs) Anyway, we shall see what happens with them. I don't think we'll hear anything. I don't think Megan will reach out to him ever again. It's a great sadness for her. And, uh, you know, uh, thank goodness she has Doria. And if you want to watch the Thomas Markle documentary, head to Nine Now where you can see it in full. Thanks so much for joining us today, Ange. Thanks, Zoe. <laughs> and thank you, everyone, for listening. For more on the Royals, please go to newidea.com.au or our Facebook page, New Idea Royals. And, of course, don't forget to pick up a copy of our latest Royal Monthly magazine on sale now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.